0: welcome to vineyard hopkinton as we follow jesus together we experience the holy spirit create a multicultural community and pursue kingdom of god justice Give a little pause and god says i'll deal with babylon myself too it's got question unsatisfactory answer you know When Habakkuk says, God, do you see how bad everything is? Do you notice that God doesn't give him an answer like, oh, well, yes, you see my child Habakkuk. It's exactly how I wanted it to be so that, in that I will use these problems for my greater glory. We had to go through this. He doesn't give a neat explanation. And I think it's good to stop and point out here That when God's chosen people are violent and argumentative, when there is no justice, when good guys are in real short supply, God does not say, this is all part of my plan. Don't worry, I wanted it this way. In the face of suffering and evil, God does not explain everything smoothly. Theologians talk about, they call it the absurdity of evil. Like, evil is this thing that like, it's absurd it doesn't make any sense it doesn't fit it doesn't go together like what is this thing doing here if we think back to genesis god created the heavens and the earth The two go together. God created heaven, his place where he he dwells. He creates the earth, the place where humans are. They're supposed to mirror each other. Heaven and earth go together. Heaven's the paradigm. We get to live in earth. That's like the mirror how God wanted and planned it to be. God did not create heaven and hell. Heaven and hell do not go together. God created heavens and the earth. And when we see things that are of hell, we should say, hey, that does not belong here. Hey, that does not fit here. It's kind of like a puzzle piece that does not belong in your puzzle. And if you're going to smash and smush a puzzle piece into something that it does not belong in, you're going to end up bending and distorting other pieces. If you're going to smush this in and say, no, this bad thing, it's, it's part of God's plan because he wants to teach us something like, because humans are, you know, we... We're made in the image of God. We can't fit evil in without really distorting God's character. We can't fit evil in neatly to make sense without distorting what God wants for us. Evil doesn't fit. It doesn't make sense. And God doesn't give Habakkuk a neat explanation, but he does deal with it you know as we talk about this guys there are two ways that we respond in god's sovereignty we have repentance and we have trust repentance and trust if you are here today friends and you are struggling with something maybe it's um you're really dissatisfied Life, You know, you thought, I would get out of college and my career is just stretches before me and it's exactly what I always wanted, except it's not, or the kids are out of the house and I thought it would all be peace and calm and, you know, gardening or whatever, and it's not. If you're dissatisfied or discontent, if you're struggling in your marriage or finances, if you're looking at the way your life is or or family or community, you're saying, God, what is happening? Why is this situation how it is? I think there are two avenues for us, repentance and trust. Uh, they say in a metaphor that does not relate to me very personally, they say if you are in the back of a pickup truck traveling too fast down a bumpy country road, this is not your time to check if the tailgate is latched or not. It is the time to get as close as possible to the cab. And if you're going down a bumpy road, we to get as close as possible to God. Uh, repentance means to turn from one thing to another, to turn from the negative thing to a positive. Repentance literally means to turn back or to turn around. You turn around, you're going the wrong way, you go the other way. Uh, various family members and I have been notorious for driving in the wrong way on the highway when we were in Good Conversations. Um, we were in the family van a while ago. My mom picks up my brother-in-law and sister from the airport to go to Christmas up in New York. We're so happy talking. I say, hey, what city is that? The skyline! It was Hartford, not Springfield. That cost us about 45 minutes. My sister and I, however, went from Rochester to Cleveland by way of Albany. And that's about three hours. And when you realize what you have done... You want to turn around as fast as possible. You do not want, like, if one of those illegal, like, emergency vehicle U-turns was there, like, I might have taken it. Because you just don't want to drive another mile in the wrong direction. You want to turn around as fast as possible. Friends, when we realize something is amiss in our lives, we want to turn around as fast as possible, we don't want to say, "Oh, I've been going in this direction for a while. I've had this spending pattern for a while. I've been talking gossip for a while. We want to turn around as fast as possible. Uh, when we look at chapter two, uh, are, uh, the Babylonians they are trapped in their own sin. They're trapped in the cycle, you know. They they steal from others, Bill had that, you know, they have, they have their punishment. I think something really important to imprint upon us, to really like get deep into our souls. Sin punishes us, God heals us. Sin punishes us, God heals us. When I do not forgive, you know what good it does me? Gets me sleepless nights. When I compare and say I'm going to prove and promote myself, it just ruins the fun. Sin punishes us. God heals us. Now, God certainly judges. God is just as good news that God is not you know, wishy-washy, that he enacts justice, he is fairness. Um, God will work things out, but he is not the author of suffering. Evil and our mess-ups and mistakes and failures, that's where our pain and hurt comes from. Um, And this is one of the first lies of sin, that God will be mad at you, so you sure can't tell God. That's a lie. He already knows he's the one who can help. We want to go to him. God wants to heal us. Our sin separates us from God. You know, if I'm really in a bad spot, I, you know, if I'm grumpy and easily irritated, God and I are not super close at that point in time. It separates us. But honestly, when we look at Scripture, God is not deterred by our sins, and our mistakes and failures do not get in God's ways. Actually, our need for forgiveness and healing and mercy compels God to act. In a strange way, our failure and mess uh, was what God drew God close to us. What drew God from in Jesus from heaven to earth was our need and our failure. Jesus did not come to earth because he said, Oh, they look like they're doing great down there. He came to earth because we were not doing great. He looked at the suffering on earth and he said, I got to get in there and he looks at my jealousy and anger and shame and he says I got to get in there our mess in a strange way actually draws God close makes God want to act and says hey I'm coming I want to get involved in this um like a week or two ago I got a call from friends who has very close within um Ohio for a while and um it was a midday phone call which someday sometimes midday phone calls are not good signs. Hey, can you talk? Sure, I was at Panera doing a little bit of work and um they um they disclosed some, you know, serious um mistakes and uh sin. And um when we were talking, I said, you know, these things happen, we'll get through it, Um, you'll get through it, Um, Really on your side, I love you, Uh, it'll be okay, and then I hung up, I just cried, I had to go home, leave Panera, Um, and guys, God is not punishing them, far from it, sin is kicking their butt, Sin is keeping them in uh, captivity and locked down and bittered and sin is punishing them. God wants to heal them and make it better. Friends, bitterness will harden you. Wanting more and better and newer will steal your joy from what you already have. Comparison will closet us off. Anger is a grenade that hurts us. Lust will leave you bloated and depressed. Pride will crash you down in flames. Demanding more from people will decrease receiving anything. Today's laziness is tomorrow's regret. Sin hurts us. God helps us. you know we we will have some time uh, to deal with to, to, to repent, but guys, is there an attitude that's hurting us? We want to really we want to turn around and not waste another mile going in the wrong direction. We don't want to play around with this either. We want to say this is normal. it may indeed be normal to be self indulgent or, or demanding, it may be normal. But it's not helping us. God is quick to forgive, eager to heal, glad to restore. God's character, he's always helping, always healing. Moving back to um, the second part of our text. Um, You know, so God says he will judge the Israelites God will also judge the Babylonians. You know, he says, What sorrow awaits you? Woe is you. He's got it covered. God will deal with both parties. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. I'll stand in silence. Things will go from bad to worse in some ways. God rules, and God will prove himself. Listen, the only person who likes this plan is God, the Israelites hate this plan from day one. The Babylonians are like, oh, this is cool, but then they will actually dislike it even more. Habakkuk is not okay with it. The only person who likes this plan is God. The outline of the book is complaint, answer, complaint, answer, Uh, and then a huge poem of praise and trust to God. How nice! In the end, is that is that because God promises that He'll He'll fix it and do what they want in the end? No, no, it's because God is in control, and whatever the outcomes, with no guarantees, a totally unsatisfactory plan of God's to use the Babylonians and Habakkuk just starts praising God. We might summarize this intense prophetic interaction conversation with God as I don't like your plan but I love you. Let's read a little bit of it um, as we uh, finish our book in Habakkuk chapter 3. He says I have heard all about you Lord. I'm filled with awe by your amazing works. Help us in this time of our deep need, help us again, as you did in years gone by. in your anger, remember mercy. I see God moving across the deserts from Edom, the Holy One coming from Mount Paran he sees this vision. His brilliant splendor fills the heavens, and the earth is filled with His praise. His coming is as brilliant as the sunrise. Rays of light flash from his hands where his awesome power is hidden. Pestilence marches before him. Plague follows close behind. When he stops, the earth shakes. When he looks, nations tremble. He shatters the everlasting mountains and levels the eternal hills. He is the eternal one. You marched across the land in your anger. You trampled the nations in your fury. So the vision of God is this like conquering warrior. God is like this amazing warrior. I trembled inside when I heard this. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me and I shook in terror. I will wait quietly for the coming day. When disaster will strike the people who invade us. So God's going to bring us through the nation of Israel through exile and into captivity. But then it's going to be reversed. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms. Even though there are no grapes on the vine. When you have uh, grapes, when you have a vineyard, you want it to produce grapes. Even though they don't. Even though the olive crop fails. And the fields lie empty and barren. Even though the flocks die in the fields, and that's dark, dead animals in the field, and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Not just the God of the heavens who sits far off, but the God of my salvation. Habakkuk looks this like uh, terrible option straight in the face. God, your plan is happening. And even though that's going to mean barren crops and fields and harvests and the good life that we want for us here, even though you are working out your salvation, even though there's not the goodness and beauty I hope for, even though, yeah, I will trust in the Lord. Even though. You know, friends, we have to start with our most important questions first. You know, if we start with questions like, um, are, are the right people running this country? Uh, are our churches strong and vibrant? Is our educational system and our financial systems uh, impervious to collapse and corruption? You know, my my personal situation in life is pretty stable and settled right now. But if I start with my own circumstances, I will be real nervous in about a minute and a half. There are a multitude of reasons why my kids could be not okay soon. There are a multitude of reasons why our personal finances could collapse sooner rather than later. If I start to list out circumstances, my circumstances are pretty good. I will be freaked out in about 30 seconds. We have to start with the important questions first. Is God merciful? Is He on my side? Is God powerful? Is Jesus risen from the dead? We start with these questions, and the rest falls into place. These are the questions that we have a definitive yes to. We have a source of hope. We know what we are counting on, and then we evaluate the rest. We cannot judge by circumstances. God's plan here uh, was liked by God, and no one else But God here is also hatching a bigger plan, a from-the-beginning-ultimate plan, centering not around the Israelites, but around God made into an Israelite, Jesus of Nazareth, not to punish people, but to take our punishment on the cross. Not to have Israel or Babylon win, but to fight death himself and gain victory for everyone. God's ultimate plan was to send Jesus down into the mess and the chaos, to live a perfect human life, to go through it all, to understand, not to just have us complain to him, but to have experienced our complaints firsthand, to live through it all, to live through friends leaving, to live through worse pain than most of us will ever endure to live through death and hell himself that's god's plan and it's a good plan in this plan god takes all of the risk all the hardship shares all of the reward in this plan there are no losers except the forces of evil and injustice in this plan god takes all the hurts and releases healing for everyone and no one likes this plan either The religious leaders said it was blasphemy. Uh, The the zealots, the hardcore people, said it was too weak. Um, The Romans were offended. His friends said, a cross? Never. The elites kind of ignored it. But to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God for salvation. You and I, if we were around 2,000 years ago, We would not have liked Jesus' plan, just like everybody else. No, Jesus, not Jerusalem. They crucify people there. We wouldn't have liked Jesus' plan. But I think, I hope, I think most of us would have loved Jesus. It's a little bit more abstract for us um, than it was maybe for those early disciples. But we too have the question put in front of us, as the disciples did, to have some hesitancies about Jesus' plan, but to love Jesus in the midst of it. Habakkuk, he, as a prophet, he had to look beyond the circumstances. He, this, he was a spiritual person. We also are spiritual people. We get also to look beyond the circumstances at God's plan And to live on a spiritual level, to see God, to see God moving, even in ways that are very hard for us to understand or or to cope with. Are we looking for God to move? Are we seeing God? Because when we look for God, we see God. I just uh, had a birthday that uh, closes out one decade and opens another decade. Y'all can guess what decade it is or isn't, but you know, keep it quiet. Um, it's not my teens into my twenties. Um, for most of this decade, uh, my theme verse was Isaiah thirty fifteen: "In quietness and trust is your strength." And quietness and trust is your strength, In my thirties had uh, a lot of ups and downs marriage, uh, multiple moves, um, things with you know my parents' extended family um, the uncertainty of god 's plan through covid uh, financial circumstances being very uncertain, uh, the uncertainties of Foster care and adoption is very uncertain. I do really feel like this verse, in quietness and trust is your strength, really paid off. I was relatively strong through a lot of uncertainty. It was because in quietness and trust is your strength. Will we be willing to trust God's plan? even if we may or may not like it. Uh, Habakkuk may not have liked God's plan, but trusting it got this no-name guy place in history. The disciples would not have signed off on Jesus' plan, but trusting it means they carried the legacy of Jesus beyond even Jesus himself. You and I may not understand God's plan, but trusting it, I promise you, will bring you into greater life, will expand us beyond our preferences and into God's will. Let's stand together, friends. Um, Worship team, you guys can come on back up. Trust is always a question. Trust is never guaranteed. I mean, maybe you're just that spiritual. But trust is usually a question. You say, do you trust me? Will you trust me? I think that God's saying that to a lot of us today. Will you trust me? Like, but God, it's not going how I want it. I want this and that. Will you trust me? So as God asks this question, God asks it from a place of certainty. God knows his plan. He's got it figured out. He's got things lined up. God is not asking this question from a place of uncertainty himself. God's asking this this question from a place of inviting you into quietness and trust. Not into our own preferences, but into his will into legacy and faith and purpose and contribution. So this morning, friends, um, if you really want to, if you feel like there are areas that you're holding out, if there may be God's plan, uh, you are not uh, finding it easy to trust. God says, will you trust me? Just put your hands out back to him and say, yes, Jesus, I trust you. Let's pray together. And feel free in this time to dialogue with God, complain, question, say, surely not. Jesus, this morning, as we end, uh, your invitation to trust is also a great promise to lead us into your will. Your invitation to trust and come with you is a promise to take us where you are going to lead us. And Jesus, we want to go where you're going to lead us today. In those areas of unbelief, would you help us to believe, to lean in, to buckle in, to trust you, Jesus, because you are good because you have paved the way for us, because you have paid the price. Your plan, you do not uh, need us to contribute the greatest part. It is not a pyramid scheme. You have paid the cost in, your, in the cross. You have paid the cost with your, your life here on earth, your blood, Lord God. Jesus, you invite us to rely and trust, to lean in, to accept this morning. So we say, Lord God, where you lead, I will follow. In Jesus' name, amen.